uyan suratı safat yani ayet number 
Ishaq. Barakat Ibrahim in his two offspring, Ismail and Ishaq, and Barakat Ishaq in his offspring, through Yaqub, that in the Banu Israel there are so many, so many prophets and so many kings. And from both of their offspring, there were those who were muhsin, good people, performing good deeds. And there are also those who were zalim for themselves. They were unjust and wrongdoers to themselves, and they were open wrongdoers. So Allah favored Ibrahim in the sense that he left behind progeny that was a Nabi, both of them, and he favored both of them by offering very good pious children, mostly, but some of them were not so good in this sense. We had what we had from uh, Nuh Nuh's immediate offspring were very good for several generations, and likewise Ibrahim's offspring also very good for several generations and thereafter they faded and they went in their uh, in different ways and their wrong ways you can see the correlation between that story and this story so this is now the story of Ishaq which is different from the story of Ismail and both were favored with Nabuwa and prophethood this is the objective of someone who wants to please Allah, that they want to leave behind a legacy in their offspring that serves Allah, serves the deen. And so that's why we're still discussing Ibrahim. And the Quran has now written his name here for eternity. وَلَقَدْ مَنَنَّا عَلَى مُوسَى we go on to the next set of stories. So you had Nuh as number one, Ibrahim as number two, Ismail as number three, Ishaq as number four, now number five, where you have two Nabi at the same time. So uh, Ibrahim and uh, his children did not become Nabi in his time, but they became Nabi slightly after his time. Here we have two Nabi at the same time, contemporaries. Indeed, we favored Musa and Harun. Man means divine favor, an exceptional favor, and so on. So now this is now from the Banu Israel, from the children of Ishaq, through Yaqub you had the children uh, who came into Egypt through Yusuf, the son of Yaqub. As they settled in Egypt, and they were favored by the Egyptians, many generations later, uh, they were then imprisoned, and they were enslaved, and they were exploited by the Fir'aun. And uh, the Fir'aun then made them into slaves and uh, third-class citizens, and so on. From that group of Hebrews came Musa and before him Harun. Harun was older than Musa 
it was during the time of Musa's birth that the Fir'aun uh, decided to slaughter every male and a male child to avoid the possibility of Musa coming in and destroying him. But Allah does what he wills. So he made Fir'aun raise Musa as a son. Then Musa came back and then when he came back he wanted Harun, his older brother, to be with him to represent him, especially in front of uh, the Banu Israel. Okay, so Harun was exceptionally valuable for Musa's conversation with the Banu Israel. And that was the strategy he used. In front of Fir'aun, there was perhaps no one better to deliver the message than Musa himself, as he knew the ins and outs of the palace, he knew the ins and outs of the courts, he knew the ins and outs of the, the army, and he knew Fir'aun very, very well. So Harun there was to help him with the, his own people, the Hebrews, yeah, because Harun had uh, a great affiliation with them. And people were loyal to Harun. Harun was already their teacher by default. Indeed, we did save them and we delivered them. Okay, and their people, both of their people, Harun's people and Musa's people, okay, from a uh, tremendous okay, oppression and a tremendous calamity, Karb, and that was the Fir'aun. So we delivered them by allowing them to cross the sea and then drowning the Fir'aun in the sea. We indeed helped them and then they become, they became those who are now the dominant. They became the dominant ones over the Fir'aun and we helped them against the Fir'aun as a favor. As you can see now, uh, the Quran in this surah is describing how people are delivered. So the people of Nuh were delivered from the flood. Ismail was delivered from uh, the knife of slaughter and sacrifice. And here, uh, Musa and Harun and their people are delivered okay, from the sea, from the water, and so on. So it's about deliverance. This is how divine help comes in columns and rows and different shades and uh, various uh, ways Allah helps his people. <coughs> it also shows the different ways in, in which Allah punishes people. So is it in, in ranks. The surah is about ranking angels who are in ranks and you see how all of this is now organized and it is very, very what do you call it, uh, compartmentalized in this way. Then as they lived in the wilderness in Sinai and uh, in that area where they were there for 40 years, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And indeed we gave both of them a book uh, that was elucidating very clear. Now, Musa was the one who received the Torah. Harun was not the one, but Allah has included him here of honor. Okay. 
out of honor, Allah now mentions that he gave them, because they're seen as one unit in this sequence of ayat. So Allah gave both of them a book. This book, a revelation, uh, that was self-explanatory, and that was very clear and elucidating. So that in the desert, what do you do? How do you, uh, how do you execute Allah's law in a desert, which is a synonymous of the Banu Israel? Usually law is where? In a community, a civilization that is settled. Right. Yeah, if you reveal a book in a town or city, this is the law, you have infrastructure. And you can do that. If you reveal law where there's no infrastructure, right, then how do you do that? That's the beauty of the Torah. The Torah was revealed to Musa salam, in a place where there was no infrastructure possible, where you didn't have a government per se. You on the move. You were walking government. <laughs> right. Usually they went, uh, not usually, 40 years they ended up where they started in the morning. The traveling government. Now how do you establish law or Islam when you're traveling all the time? So that's what you gain from understanding the law of Musa That the Torah was sent to a Nabi or two Nabis who were constantly traveling. And despite their traveling, they were able to apply Islam. So not having infrastructure is not, uh, what do you call it, an excuse for not applying Islam. So you have rules of travel. That's why they had only three Salat prescribed to them, because they were constantly traveling. Not five. If they are not traveling, then five would have been the order, but since they were traveling, Allah said three, and so on. Anyway, so despite all their shenanigans, the Banu Israel, okay, they had the ability to actually execute Islamic law, or the Sharia, Allah's law, and the Ahkam of Torah, in a state where they, there was no civilization. And so you must appreciate this phenomenon of the, the book that is Al-Mustabeen, very clear. So it doesn't matter which state you're in, whether you're traveling, uh, whether you're in the army, uh, whether you're at home, or whether you're in depression, or whether you're in prosperity, the law is the law. You have to establish the law. Mm. Yeah. Even though it was for 40 years, they were just roaming around. But they had the Torah, and the Musa salam, established the Torah in the desert, yeah, without any infrastructure. That goes towards the, the <coughs> what do you call it, the, the absoluteness of Allah's law. Yes, Allah's law is absolute, and so on. Anyway, there, there are many other phenomena that come out from this discussion. And we did guide both of them to the straight path, even though they were not settled and they weren't in a city, they weren't in a place where law could be part of life. So law requires that there's no chaos, but in their lives were anything but non-chaotic. 
They're a chaotic life. Uh, in the morning you're here and then you uproot your tent and you go to another place and you camp and then you still have law. Mm. That's how we see that Allah guided both of them towards the straight path. Guiding a Nabi is different from guiding an Nabi. So the guidance of a Nabi is how to execute the law and the guidance to a Nabi is how to apply the law and practice it. So one is at the level of what you call it an executioner where he is the Hakim, the ruler and the other is at the level of a consumer and someone who applies the law as a follower of the Nabi and so on. This is about the leadership. So Allah gave the leadership hidayah and guidance as to how to execute uh, that which is a phenomenon which is obviously there incorporated in Islam where in Islam you have rules for traveling and you have rules for not traveling mm. so you apply both uh, Sharia this way and that way anyway وَتَرَكْنَا عَلَيْهِمَا فِي الْآخِرِينَ Indeed, we did leave them in the people who followed them. The people who came after them, we left Musa and Harun with them. Meaning, we left them a good name and a good legacy. And we left them their guidance that they left behind. In the Torah, which is what happened with Dawud and Suleiman and they applied the Torah. <coughs> now, Dawood and Suleiman, they had empires. They were kings, right? But they established Torah. So the Torah was applicable in the desert without any community, and it was applicable in a civilization like that of Dawood and Suleiman, where there was infrastructure. Dawood and Suleiman had their, their infantry and their military and all their troops and so on but they established the Torah and that's the Torah was a book of immense guidance for uh, the Jewish people, the Hebrews and so on. The Torah was not meant for all people and the Quran is meant for all people. Right? That's the difference. The Torah was only meant for the Banu Israel. That's why many of the ahkam that are in the Torah are not applicable to the Ummah of Muhammad they have been since abrogated, made the mansukh, and so on. But this is what we left of Musa and Harun and those who followed. What did we leave? One is a name and legacy, and the other is the methodology of law, the methodology of the right path, the methodology of applying the Torah. That is what it means when we understand this ayah in this sequence. So Nuh left a legacy of Tawheed and some rules of Sharia. Ibrahim left a legacy of all civilizational values and their offspring now were left with this one. So one side Allah is discussing here in the Banu Israel that came from Ishaq and from Ishaq came Yaqub and Yusuf, then Musa and Harun and then Dawud and Suleiman. Although Dawud and Suleiman are not mentioned here, it is where we would go to uh, in conclusion of the Torah being applied. This is how we reward those who do good. 
those who have ihsan in them, and this is how we reward them. So this is a reward in this world, and the reward waiting for them in the hereafter. Only Allah knows what that reward is. Indeed, both of them are from our believing servants. Now, why would you mention that? That Musa and Harun are believing when they are Nabi, when they are prophets, and so on. It's something to think about. Why does Allah find uh, it necessary to say that they were believing? Hmm. Yeah? So, this is how Allah raises the ranks of. By mentioning that they are the first believers. They are the first to believe in Allah and His Book and His Revelation and His Guidance. They do not falter and they uh, do not uh, succumb to the pressures of time and context by not applying the law and by not applying the guidance in their lives. No matter what. That, in that sense, they are believers. So your iman has to be constant and stable at all times, in the times of stress, distress, and in the times of good times also. You are a believer in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So their belief was now, um, what do you call it, impeccable, and their belief was infallible. And that's how we see both Musa and Harun also. It's a pun against those who wrote the Old Testament where they don't see prophets as good people. The Old Testament is filled with a lot of rubbish about prophets, that they were womanizers and they were drunkards and all of that, all the way from Nuh and Ibrahim and Musa and Harun and then all of these crazy stories about how they were you now sinners and all of that. So the Quran is saying to the people who wrote that, you know, this all nonsense, this is who they are. They are exceptional human beings. We don't have a problem believing that Musa and Harun were believers and they did not disbelieve in anything that Allah asked them to believe in. They are believers and they are muhsineen. They are those people who do good. They are good people. And you should also follow suit and believe that they are good people. Now, if you believe someone is good, then you have to follow that person. Right? The idea of infallibility is so that it's easier for us to follow someone who's infallible. But if you reduce everybody to scum, then you don't have to follow anyone. You can say, I can follow myself because they're as human as we are. And they sinned and so we sinned, so what's the big deal? But if you raise the pedestal and you say, this man is beyond reproach and he's infallible, then you have to follow that man because that man now is perfect. That is why the Qur'an mentions what it mentions about their state of Iman and their belief and their being good and their muhsin and so on so that others can emulate what uh, needs to be emulated as human beings. Indeed, Ilyas is from those who were sent as messengers. Ilyas is a messenger. He came <coughs> a while after Suleiman a long time afterwards and his story this is the only place where his story is actually mentioned mm. so basically he was sent to uh, a place which was in and around Palestine that's where they lived and there are two places where the Jews lived 
and this is one place where he was sent. So he was sent to a ruler, and the ruler worshipped with his people an idol by the name of Baal. It's mentioned here in the, in the ayat here, Baal. And that he, he should he should not worship Baal. So Baal was an idol that they had uh, somehow carved, and they started to worship this Baal. And Ilyas uh, al was sent to remove them from the idea of worshipping idols. So he's a messenger, basically, he's a Mursal. So long story short, they, they had a duel, a challenge that those uh, you know, people who worship Baal, the so-called religious group, would uh, offer a sacrifice to their gods, and Ilyas would offer a sacrifice to Allah and they would see what happens. So they offered their sacrifices for a long time, and they started to read incantations uh, for their idol, Baal, and nothing happened. Ilyas went, and he sacrificed, and he placed the sacrifice on a hill, and then fire came down from the sky, from the heavens, consumed the sacrifice, and that was the sign that Allah accepted, which is what happened. Would that's what would happen previously for the sacrifice is that fire would come down and they would be seen as being accepted because Allah didn't want them to eat their own sacrifice where the merit of this ummah is that we eat our own sacrifice whereas in that community they weren't allowed to eat but Allah kept their sacrifice and raised it to the heavens and so on so after this incident they refused to believe and they went and they slaughtered Ilyas that's a short story uh, that's what we know from certain riwayat and so on this is Ilyas Ilyas is here on earth and he died here basically he was made a shaheed which was the trend of the Banu Israel in general that the Banu Israel slaughtered so many Anbiya prophets as the Quran says that they would kill the Anbiya, they would execute them. And there's so many hundreds if not thousands of Anbiya came to them in that line of the Banu Israel. So many prophets came and so many kings came. And Allah gave them kings and prophets and so on. Anyway, that's the story of Ilyas. وَإِنَّ إِلْيَاسِ لَمِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ إِذْ قَالَ لِقَوْمِهِ يَلَا تَتَّقُونَ Remember the time when he said to his people, do you not fear Allah and His punishment? Are now not going to leave Baal? And then uh, you are going to leave, uh, are you going to call Baal and leave the best of creators that you're worshipping Baal and you're now uh, dismissing Allah who is the best of all creators that he created you, he created the stone from which you created your idol, uh, and he created everything else in the universe. Uh, so he's the best of creators. Why are you leaving him and then worshipping something that your own hands manufactured? Allah, who is the best of creators? Allah, who is he? Rabbakum, He is your Lord and the Lord of those who came before you. So, Ilyas in line with all the other 
prophets in the Quran gave this clear message that you can't worship anyone except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Deen in essence is about who you worship and how you worship. And that is the meaning of ibadah. Who you worship and how you worship. So these anbiya and mursaloon, those who are sent as messengers, deliver this message. This is who you worship and this is how you worship. That's what you need to focus on in terms of your religiosity. Then obviously your good deeds and your good behavior counts too. But this is your asal deen. Your original deen is who you worship, what you worship. Now your world view will be forged based on who you worship and what you worship, how you worship. If you don't worship anyone, obviously, then you don't have a world view. You're a narcissist. Right? You're a narcissist, you're a loser. If you don't worship anyone, that means you are God. If you worship someone or something that shows them, you have the ability to, 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 to uh, humble yourself in front of someone or something. At least, at least that ability is there. Now you have to get that right. How do you get that right? You get that right by understanding the creator of the universe is one. And the method of worship is through the prophets. It's through wahi. It's not through your subjective exercises and experiences and all of that. So it has to be ob objectifiable. Uh, and made now public and arm common for all people, not just for you, and so on. So this is how Allah is, your, your world view is Allah, who is your Rabb, and the Rabb of all people who came before you. That's the one you worship, and the way you worship is through the Nabuwa, through the Risala, and so on. Anyway. فَكَذَّبُوهُ فَإِنَّهُ لَمُحْضَرُونَ so they denied him, they rejected him. And then they were made now close, meaning the punishment was drawn close to them. So then they were drowned by flood. These people who slaughtered Isa, Ilyas uh, and refused to believe in him and believe in Allah, okay, they, they were drowned, they were punished. So this was meant by فَإِنَّهُمْ لَمُحْبَرُونَ that uh, they were brought closer in front of the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except those of our servants who are now chosen okay, and those who have been selected those who are selected from our servants they were spared and there was always a group with all prophets at all times there was always going to be someone with the Nabi of the time to assist and help and protect and so on but there will be few they were spared. وَتَرَكْنَا عَلَيْهِ فِي الْآخِرِينَ And indeed, we did leave behind for uh, Ilyas a name and a legacy and a mission uh, for those who followed in later subsequent generations. Okay. Anyway, some people say that the idol uh, that they, they worshipped was a very, very special uh, stone. It had some qualities. It's a natural stone that came from the earth, and this stone had some, uh, you know, influential powers on people, and so on. That's one. Maybe that's true. Also, not necessarily confirmed by a hadith, but it could be that they worshipped a stone which eventually was used as a crystal ball, right? 
anyway, those riwayat are there in the Israeliyat, in the Jewish traditions. We can neither confirm them nor deny them. It is what it is. The bottom line is that whatever they worshipped was not Allah. So that's the bottom line. Salamun ala Ilyasin. Salam and peace be upon Ilyasin. So here we see that the spelling of Ilyas is now with a noon at the end. The extended noon, sometimes what the Arabs do, was that they would extend the noon <coughs> at the end of non Arab names. And this is a place in the Quran which perhaps confirms that practice of the Arab that they would extend the noon if it was a non Arab name. Salam and peace be upon Ilyas or Ilyasin. They're the same person, they're not two different people, as some people might have suggested. Indeed, this is the way we reward those who do good. Indeed, he is from our servants who are believers. He is the first one to believe, despite going through this ordeal of uh, the, the king and him worshipping Baal and so on. And indeed, Lut was from those who were sent as messengers. Lut salam's position amongst the prophets is that he is a mursal. He is someone who was sent with a specific message. Okay. A Nabi is someone who is sent with a universal message. And a mursal is someone who is sent with a specific message along with the universal message. So there is an added component in a mursal, in a rasul. And that added component may be uh, something about the Sharia, about the law that needs to be uh, addressed or reformed or amended or something. Hmm. So anyone who comes with a specific message from Allah along with the general message of Tawheed, uh, Risal and Akhirah is a Mursal, is someone who is sent because he is now an ambassador of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Salute so definitely was sent with a very specific message, as we know, the specific message being that people should not engage in any practice that is unnatural <coughs> in the form of same gender relationships. Hmm. That was the specific message. So that is how we see Lut's message now being very, very relevant to all people at all times and in this Sharia of Lut and Sharia of Muhammad those practices are held evil and despicable it is condemned by the Quran by Wahi, by the Prophets and by the Anbiya and the Rasul in general they condemn any such practice which goes against what Allah has created the human being for yeah. anyway so this Lut, Lut is now singled out for many reasons one specific benefit is that he, his role in modern day society is now triply emphasized. Yeah, so we must not underestimate what the Quran is saying as role models through the prophets. So people should not develop their own philosophy based on what they understand Lut to represent.
which is what people do, unfortunately. We can't go that way because the Quran condemns it and condemns the people who practice that kind of behavior. Remember the time when we saved him and his family all together, all of them. Except an old lady who was his wife. So here we see that the, the Anbiya, their family saved, except those who are not part of the family in practice. They are not saved as the case with Nuh salam and his son and also one of his wives. Likewise here with Lut his family was protected but his wife was not because she disobeyed him. Uh, she was, although she came with him outside to outside of the city, she turned back and started to witness the punishment which she was not supposed to do. Yeah. Anyway, except an old woman who was there amongst those who lingered behind, those who stayed behind, and so on. So Ruth message is very clear from the other passages of the Quran that speak of Ruth and his message. And here the Quran now is summarizing his fate. <coughs> so the fate is, then indeed we did demolish those who were left. Other than Lut and his family, we totally destroyed the others. So destruction means punishment in the Quran. And this is punishment from Allah from the heavens. That is how Allah punished these people because of this practice. They were not necessarily punished for their kufr. They didn't have kufr necessarily. So Lut is singled out in a sense that his people were punished not because they disbelieved in God but because they refused to understand that God doesn't want them to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the Quraysh and tells the Arab of the time and even the Bedouin Arab who would roam around the Hijaz and the Jazeera and the peninsula and they would go north and south everywhere and they would see the remnants and the ruins of these people. And indeed, you pass by these people. You pass by their ruins up there up north towards the Yaqaba, towards the (coughs) Jordanian River. And so you see these ruins and you know these people were punished for this reason. So Allah is saying to these people, uh, meaning the Arab, the Bedouin Arab and also the Quraysh, the Quraysh were travelers, as you know, all the time. You pass by these people. Billay Musbihin in the morning, or Billayl, and also at night you pass by them. And you should now seek refuge in Allah from becoming like these people. Don't you understand? Don't you understand? Even the evidence that is in front of you uh, should tell you that this was wrong. So you should understand. Yeah. The final story here in this sequence of prophets uh, is the story of Yunus. Yunus also from the Banu Israel. And then Lut was not from the Banu Israel. Lut was a nephew of Ibrahim. So he is mentioned here uh, as someone who is not from the Banu Israel. 
Yunus, now going back to the Banu Israel, Yunus was from the Banu Israel and he went to a certain uh, people. Yunus, وَإِنَّ Yunus لَمِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ Indeed, he was also from those who were sent. إِذْ أَبَقَ إِلَى الْفُلْكِ الْمَشْحُونَ He left his people because Allah said to him that Allah will send punishment to his people. But he left without Allah's permission. You're not allowed to leave your people until Allah says, now you must leave. So Yunus left his people without permission. And as he went, he went onto a boat. And on the boat there were other people. And a storm brewed. And while the storm is brewing, uh, the captain of the ship said, this is unusual. You don't get storms in these seas. The sea is, is not you know, known for its storms. So he said, there's something wrong with someone on board here. So he said, it seems that someone has absconded. That's what the captain of the ship said. Uh, there's a slave who has absconded his master. It's <laughs> Abaka. Uh, he ran away. laden ship is full of passengers. So what did they do? They, they drew a lot. Fasahama. So he drew a lot. Meaning the captain of the ship. Yeah, so he became those who were now cast away and those who were chosen to go overboard. They drew a lot once. Yunus's name came. They drew a lot twice, his name came. They drew a lot a third time, and his name came. The captain said, you're going overboard. So he went overboard. فَالْتَقَمَهُ الْحُوتُ So a whale then swallowed him, gulped him. And he was blameworthy, as in a state of being blameworthy. Meaning that Yunus was blameworthy for not waiting for Allah's permission to leave the people upon whom Allah's punishment was to come. So that's the amount of discipline that is required from a Nabi and from a Rasul. You cannot now second guess or preempt Allah's permission. You can't do that at that level. So this is at that level. For us to say that he made a mistake and that's that. I mean, we commit sin left, right, and center every day, 24-7. Uh, and we're saying he made a mistake. <laughs> Quite pathetic. Hmm? Is that, at that level, that discipline is required because you're a Nabi, you're a Rasul. You wait for instructions. You don't move and you don't blink without Allah's permission. So if you say that he made a mistake, okay, fine, he made a mistake. What about you? It'd be nice if you didn't make a mistake. Hmm. Yeah. I'm saying that that is not the reason why Allah is mentioning this Wahuamulim. He's mentioning this because he's saying the standard for a Nabi is very, very high. That's why he's mentioning this. Not because you can say, take a poke at him, he made a mistake. Understand? Yeah, you have to be careful, otherwise your Iman will go away. We can't do what the Banu Israel did with their prophets and then fault them for everything that they did that was supposedly wrong. We don't do that. This is not, our, this is not who we are as a civilization. We protect the infallibility of every Nabi. The reason why Allah mentions it is because He is Allah. 
Allah can mention this. That's his prerogative. We can't mention this. Even in narrating, we can't mention that he made a mistake. Yes, we have to be careful. All prophets made mistakes. Yeah, but what about the other things they did? You don't add up to anything that they did. Never mind their mistakes. Even their mistakes are rahmah. This mistake of Yunus was a rahmah. Why? It saved his people from punishment. Which mistake of yours saves people from punishment? Right. <laughs> Hold the staff uh, from the top, not from the bottom. believe that he was now lamenting himself, he was critical of himself, and uh, he was blaming him, blaming himself. So anyway, this is what happened. And Yunus al-Islam went into the, the stomach of the whale, huge, huge whale that swallowed him. And had it not been for the fact that he was from those who made tasbih, those who made tasbih, tasbih being uh, saying subhanak, la ilaha illa anta subhanak, inni kuntu min al-zalimin. So the word subhanak there is what's meant, referred to as the tasbih. Had he not been for the fact that he made tasbih, lalabitha fi batnihi, ila yawmi ba'athun, he would have lived in his stomach until the day that people are resurrected. He wouldn't have a long life, but he would have been in the belly. Lalabitha, labitha fi batni, he would have stayed and remained in his stomach until the day that people are resurrected, meaning it would have ensured the longevity of the whale also. So the suhbah of a Nabi, what does it do? It ensures the longevity of everybody around him, which is a point nobody will pick up because they don't understand the Mu'ah. In Zan, when Samiri took the dust from the hooves, where the hooves of Jibreel were planted on the other side of the Red Sea. Okay. Samiri saw that wherever the hooves of Jibreel's horse was, uh, there was vegetation. So he picked up the dust from where the hooves were and put it in a sack. And he then mesmerized people by saying, I have earth that is alive and that creates life. And that's how he was able to deceive the Bani Israel. Now this is the effect of a Rasul that comes from Allah onto earth. What's the effect of a Nabi in a whale? That the whale would live forever, as long as the Nabi is with him. Can you imagine that? That your being is a sign of life for everything that is around you. That's why we say prophets don't die. They're not meant to die. They are alive in their graves and so on. Anyway, so this is something that you must understand in the intricacies of tafsir, that he would have lived and remained forever until the Day of Judgment, which means what? That the whale would live until that time also, hmm? which is a miracle. But Allah didn't want him to live there, so he made tasbih. And then, فَنَبَذْنَاهُ بِالْعَرَائِ and then we threw him into an open field, an open place. It might have been a wilderness, it might be a place where 
there, it is on the shore obviously. So it wouldn't be the wilderness, the open place on the shore. We threw him, meaning the whale, threw him out and spit him out. As he was now, now sick, he was not well because he was incubated in the whale for 40 days. And that's what made him very, very weak and very sick. Then we cause now this shajara uh, to grow around him. A shajara that is of good. what gave him strength when he started to eat from the good the kaddu they say so he ate from there and he developed some strength and then he was able to find his way back to his people eventually and then Allah says that we then sent him back to his people that were now a hundred thousand strong or perhaps more. So it takes 100,000 people to develop a community or a civilization uh, from this ayah. So now they believed and we gave them respite and we let them enjoy life for a while. So they received him as he came back as believers because in this time in the 40 days that he was gone, the people of the city saw that the punishment was there in the horizon, but it wasn't coming. So they all got together. Yunus left us because he said the punishment is coming. Now he's not here, therefore the punishment is not coming. Therefore he is a Nabi. So they all believed. They all accepted Islam in his absence. Allah Subhanahu saved them and uh, reintroduced Yunus as a Nabi and a Rasul and he taught them how to live and how to practice their deen. So this is the final story in this sequence of um, prophets in the Surah. Inshallah we will read the next section the next time we meet. Thank you.